the smallest capital in europe by roy trevor this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the smallest capital in europe although montenegro possesses two seaports of her own the traveller to setinje does not make use of either of them on account of their distance from the capital he journeys instead to kataro the austrian seaport at the foot of the black mountain here there is a wonderful harbour formed by nature called the bachi di kataro an absolutely landlocked save for a narrow outlet into the adriatic three great bays strongly resembling lakes spread themselves out in the radial manner of a starfish and by way of further likeness they have often been compared with the fjords of norway or in a lesser degree the locks of scotland as the steamer sails up the baki di cataro the traveller catches his first glimpse of montenegro which rises precipitously almost from the water's edge and forms a great barrier or jagged tableland some five thousand feet in height austria's most southerly province called dalmatia extends here in a tiny strip of territory barely half a mile broad but effectually separating montenegro from the sea kataro lies at the extremity of the farthest landlocked bay and so near is the giant black mountain that the town can scarcely find room the little white houses looking as though some eastern genie had in joke picked them all up and thrown them hard against the towering mountain that while some houses had tumbled back to the water's edge the remainder had stuck fast to where they were hurled seemingly climbing and clinging as by a miracle to the precipitous rock face as the steamer makes its way slowly to the quay the traveller has pointed out to him what looks like a long irregular white scratch on the mountainside which zigzags backwards and forwards above the town somewhat resembling a piece of cotton thrown carelessly upon a dark cushion it is the giant staircase the only portal by which one may enter montenegro and what from below looks simply like a narrow streak is in reality a fine carriage road built in the face of the precipice by dint of marvellous skill and years of unflagging labour kataro itself is exceptionally full of interest possessing as it does narrow italian streets and a beautiful old-world harbour to this hive of civilization comes a crowd of montenegrin peasants bringing their heavy baskets of market produce down the long zigzags of the staircase but some look terribly ill at ease for the men's hands are forever clutching at their empty belts the austrian government wisely compels them to leave their rifles and revolvers at home or any rate at the frontier it is well here to state clearly that there is no love lost between austria and montenegro but i certainly do not intend to discuss balkan politics at present the panoramic drive up into the heart of the black mountain is a glorious and entrancing memory giving the traveller the vivid impression that he is in some rising balloon or airship for as he proceeds on his way the road climbs higher and higher winding this way and that taking advantage of every irregularity in the precipice face yet always ascending seemingly without end now and then the traveller if he is so minded may drop a stone over the road's edge 
that stone will probably fall upon the self-same road a thousand feet beneath looking down from the top of the ascent the serpentine turns seen beneath closely resemble the rungs of a ladder raised against the mountainside presently to our view the still waters of the bocchi are reinforced by the other two arms and beyond them for the glorious vista to the horizon lies the great blue glittering expanse of the adriatic sea four thousand five hundred feet above the sea the traveller takes his last look upon kataro at his feet and the ocean beyond and rounding a turn in the road he enters the rock-strewn kingdom of montenegro at once the scene is changed a perfect wilderness of rock crag and boulder confronts him and he gathers his first vivid and lasting impression of the Pernagora. upon the much frequented high road to Cetinia, the traveller can gain no adequate conception of the true life of the people and therefore we need not linger any further on this our journey to the capital however there is one place of exceptional interest Njagusi, for it was here that king nicholas was born in a very unpretentious dwelling and we pass it as we quit this small village of low stone-built houses again a further climb through the same bleak gray rocks and after a while the road descends towards a little plain hemmed in by eternal mountain peaks and looking not unlike the interior of some brobdingnagian egg cup at the far end of this miniature plain nestles a cluster of houses we have reached Cetinia, the smallest capital in the world apart from stirring historical memories it cannot be said that there is much of spectacular interest to be found in Cetinia. there are no imposing buildings as in belgrade or sofia no theatres no crowded streets neither electric trams nor trains nor indeed any traffic as we understand the word Cetinia is virtually a big village somewhat resembling a south african township consisting of a broad street lined with low two-storied houses and a large market square everything is of the simplest kind almost primitive and the king's palace is only dignified by that name on account of its really being the largest house and the daily life of the royal family is as simple open and unaffected as that of the poorest peasant what strikes the stranger the most is the motley assortment of coloured garments donned by the people the first impression is that some special fete is being held and it is only after a sojourn of a week or so in the land that we begin to realise this almost prodigal phase of brilliance is but one among many distinguishing features in the ordinary life of this interesting little people although the montenegrin nation is the reverse of wealthy not far removed from poverty in fact yet from three to forty pounds are paid ungrudgingly for a national costume and this inordinate love of finery coupled with a passion for gambling alas serve to keep this chivalrous nation poor the men wear a long coat shaped in at the waist and with the skirt reaching to the knees made of fine cloth colored either light blue green or red and open at the front the waistcoat is of scarlet cloth and heavily embroidered with gold thread round the waist there is a silk sash through which is thrust a revolver covering the legs the poorer classes wear tight white felt leggings 
those who can afford it have adopted high russian boots of soft black leather the little round hat i referred to in the first chapter is worn by everyone its crown is of red cloth to signify the blood shed upon the gray rocks and on it are embroidered five gold circles each symbolically representing a hundred years of fighting in the center are the letters h i the greek form of nicholas i the outside band of the cap is black in memory of a great battle fought long ago at the time turkey first conquered the balkan kingdoms the women are dressed just as brilliantly wearing long coats and sashes like those of the men when you think of a whole country dressed in such an extraordinary fashion it is very easy to imagine the everyday gay appearance of the public streets unfortunately there are very few ancient monuments in montenegro since the continual inroads of the turks effectually destroyed all traces of many that must have formerly existed in Cetinye, the oldest building is the monastery which is perched against the gray rocks and above it stands the kula or stone tower that used to be surmounted with iron spikes each of them garnished with a newly severed turkish head many people in Cetinye can remember the last occasion when they bore their ghastly burdens in the monastery the hereditary burying place of the kings lives Valadika, or archbishop of the black mountains any morning at daybreak one may see king nicholas worshipping at the tombs of his ancestors for the king is an early riser and is generally put in a hard day's work long before most people at home are ready for breakfast in front of the monastery a number of heavy turkish cannon are placed in rows the spoil of the last campaign and the sight of them affords great satisfaction to the inhabitants in the large open market square always a prominent feature in montenegrin towns the sun blazes down with insufferable power and the peasants are only too glad to take advantage of the welcome shelter that the few leafy trees afford them until the traveller has grown accustomed to the brilliant native dresses he is ever imagining himself transported to some medieval town whose inhabitants are parading in all the glory of ancestral barbaric adornment even the houses of the different government ministers are but tiny two-storied buildings and it is very strange to see the emblazoned coats of arms over the narrow doors of these unpretentious dwellings in the post office the man who sells stamps or takes your telegram is dressed in the same gorgeous fashion with revolver stuck prominently in belt this habit of carrying firearms is general throughout the land and one of the most dreaded punishments for a man is to be deprived of his weapons for any period whatever towards the albanian frontier we shall find that in addition to the revolver a rifle knife and hand jar long heavy sword are carried together with plenty of ammunition a man without firearms is a man without freedom and thou may as well take away my brothers as my rifle are two well-known maxims the king will often stop a man in the street and demand an inspection of his weapons and if by any chance they are found to be dirty or unloaded the punishment is extremely severe for king nicholas is adamant upon this point and rightly so as the supreme head of a fighting nation 
and the descendant of a long line of warrior kings it is hardly surprising that king nicholas should look every inch a leader of men he is both tall the prevailing feature of the national physique and broad-shouldered and despite his seventy-two years his back is as straight and his movements as strong and vigorous as a young man's coming to the throne at the age of twenty the king has seen his country advance from comparative obscurity to its present honorable position among the nations for over a score of years he waged fierce battle with the turks leading his men in the thick of the fight proving his ability as a general and by a hundred brave deeds his personal courage in times of peace too he has striven really hard for his beloved country both diplomatically with the powers of europe and in personal organization of the scant resources of the little kingdom he is to-day a crack shot with rifle and pistol as he is also a past master in the leadership of men one foreign minister remarked jokingly that not a bird's nest could fall in montenegro without the king issuing an order for its reinstatement it is said that king nicholas knows each of his subjects by name and certainly all look upon him their gospodor with passionate esteem and reverence the humblest peasant may freely obtain an audience and recount to his sovereign any wrong he may have suffered happy in the conviction that it will be righted and i have often watched with the keenest pleasure king nicholas holding his informal morning court upon the steps of his unpretentious palace his sturdy and imposing figure clad in the national dress seated and surrounded by a few officials the steps lined by his perianiques the name given to his picked bodyguard on account of the feathers worn in their caps with the utmost speed the audiences take place now and then a prisoner is led up sentenced and the next called it is all so easy and so simple for the king's word is law and neither liar nor traitor could meet those steady eyes of his that seem to pierce one through and through up to quite recent times king nicholas dispensed justice in this primitive way until cases grew too numerous for his personal attention he then instituted courts of justice and appointed judges it speaks volumes for the decisions of these courts that even mohammedans and albanians from over the frontier bring their cases for trial before a montenegrin judge in preference to their own moslem one king nicholas has a great veneration for england and he was a special favorite of queen victoria who personally decorated him as we ride through the land we shall find everywhere evidences of king nicholas's genius and the overwhelming respect and esteem in which he is held the montenegrin army was founded fifteen years ago by king nicholas to replace the volunteers the regulations are simplicity itself every man between the ages of sixteen and sixty is forced to serve this service they render almost instinctively and it is therefore scarcely surprising that compulsory service is extremely popular in montenegro and that under capable instructors the men quickly make splendid soldiers after four months service they return with rifles to their homes and are then to ensure efficiency subject to a weekly drill in place of the long coats to which i have already referred they wear red short-sleeved jackets and look thoroughly businesslike there are few military distinctions the different grades or ranks 
merely donning special badges upon the fronts of their little round caps russia has supplied them with up-to-date field pieces and rifles cavalry and heavy artillery being useless in mountainous montenegro from the same foreign source the country is also provided with much other valuable assistance russia renders all possible help to montenegro because they are both slav nations and belong to the same greek church for the same reasons however austria has persistently remained a sworn enemy of montenegro behind austria there really stands germany armed to the teeth and behind russia looms france thus you see that even petty quarrels between montenegro and turkey may quite possibly involve the great powers of europe in a terrible and disastrous war but then as i have before remarked i must not allow myself to become entangled in that vast maze of international complication known as european politics there are two particularly fine buildings in Cetinje, the russian and austrian embassies and two the new barracks are especially popular there is a tiny theatre open for a few weeks in the summer season where king nicholas's plays are produced for the king is a famous poet and has written many beautiful odes besides having composed battle songs for his various regiments there is also a small but well-equipped hospital and a high school for girls and boys the climate in summer is excellent though very hot but for the eight months of winter it is terribly severe and much snow then falls every other house seems to be a cafe where the men congregate of an evening and though they occasionally consume large quantities of spirits they never grow more than noisy in the remoter parts of montenegro a man will often fire off his revolver in the air particularly if he is excited by way of letting off steam a practice rather disconcerting to any nervous-minded folk but then you seldom find any nervous-minded folk in montenegro not even among the few visitors there are no shops as we know them in fact there isn't a large piece of glass in the whole place you simply walk through an open doorway into a small room on the floor of which or on the walls are exposed the goods or merchandise consisting of clothes weapons embroideries shawls scarves etc and the man who serves you carries his revolver fully loaded and very probably towers above you quite six inches end of the smallest capital in europe by roy trevor read by betty b